Diane here. Welcome to What's the Hook with Diane and Andy. Andy is back from his trip to Australia. Andy, I missed you. I missed you too, Diane. And Andy's back in one piece, and I'm so happy. I am. I'm, like, mentally not in one piece, but physically I am. I think I like you even more when you're, you know. Like a little loopy. A little, a little asunder. A little crazy. Just a little. A little crazy jet lag. You know what? You can blame it on the Santa Ana winds. Yeah. Which are blowing yeah. again in L.A. Between jet lag and the Santa Anas, I take no responsibility for anything that I say <laughs> for the next half hour. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's called a disclaimer. <laughs> It's going to get real cray-cray up Oh, here. man. It's, it's all happening. Look, Twitter's, you know, the wheels are falling off. Something. As I like to, I look at either Andy. We're on the, either, either Twitter's on the verge of a miraculous <laughs> reconception that's going to capture 80% of the human race, or it's dead on Sunday. I keep looking at Andy. There's no I, in between. I just keep looking at Andy saying, it's the last days of Rome, baby. <laughs> it's all just, it's burning down around yeah. us. Yeah. But anyway, there's there's lots of news to get to. So I'm going to run through some of that. And so Andy can catch up. (laughs) Um, If you follow me on Instagram at the surf report, you know that I've been ranting a little bit about Dave Chappelle on uh, SNL because yeah, we knew he was transphobic, but now we found out he's also anti-Semitic because you know, it's always good to have more than one interest. Um, uh, evidently, yeah, he just likes to double down. On there were well, there being were a shitty old man. There were reports that he did one monologue in rehearsal, and then he switched his monologue to oh. include the anti-Semitic material at oh, the last yeah. minute. Clever, which I gotta think Lauren Michaels really loved. Did not, yeah. Um, and you know, Chappelle's definitely been getting you know a lot of criticism for it. Not that he gives a shit. But I'm sure he's, I, I'm sure he does not care. No. He gives no fucks. He's got deals everywhere. Netflix lets, Netflix lets him do what he wants. So let's talk about a smarter comedian, Chris Rock. Yay. Chris Rock is going to be doing the first ever live streaming comedy special on Netflix. And that is due to happen in early 2023. No specific date yet. Um, I'm very excited about that because for my money, Chris Rock is the far superior comedian. Um, so I'm very excited to see that. I, I always look forward to all things Chris Rock. Um, anyway, the other kind of big shifts more behind the scenes this week were at CBS, America's number one broadcast network. They get all the big ratings, big executive changes. Kelly Call, who is the head of CBS, the head of CBS Entertainment, will be leaving the network after 26 years. Yes, he lived through the Les Moonves nightmare. Kelly was also is also a TV scheduling mastermind. And while they developed great shows at CBS over the years, <clears throat> Kelly made it all work and put the jigsaw pieces together. So his record is phenomenal. And a gal named Amy Reisenbach, who was the former head of current programs and used to be at Warner Brothers, is now the president at CBS. Um, Tom Sherman, who was the head of development, will also be leaving CBS. I think he's been there about six years. Um, the other thing is, if you subscribe to Paramount+, Plus, you're going to be seeing more Showtime content on that platform now. Uh, they're going to start to, they're starting to merge the two, which I think has been suspected for a while since they're all part of the Paramount Global yeah, family. Yeah, I just, you know, subscribed to, to Showtime so, via Paramount+. Plus. So just so you know that, um, we want to make you aware of where you can find things. That can always be very puzzling these days. And it's days. nice because you get a little bit of a discount on Showtime you by should. doing it through Paramount Plus. Although I although I am getting ads on Paramount Plus, so I got to figure out that I'm get not the sure best I got deal. the right one. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's becoming a pretty, um, a, 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 anyway, a go-to for me, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus has a lot of good content. We're going to be talking about one of their new shows in a moment. Yes, we are. Um, let's see. Oh, the Grammy Award nominees came out. Andy, I don't know, but like Beyonce, of course, leading the pack. Yeah. With nine nominations, Kendrick Lamar with eight, Adele with seven. I mean, that should be a pretty dazzling show. I am fairly sure that Ben Winston is going to be producing that show again because he is, you know, uh, CBS's go-to executive producer. He's gonna. He's executive producing this Sunday's Elton John live show at right. Dodger Stadium. That's going to be live on Disney yeah. Plus. 
and special guest stars Dua Lipa and Kiki D. And if anyone here is listening, is old enough to remember Elton John and Kiki <laughs> D singing Don't Go Breaking My Heart, I love you. We're friends. Um, so that should be a great show as well. Ben Winston is also, uh, and Fullwell 73 are producing that show. Uh, again, that's this Sunday on Disney+. Plus. Um, let's see. Andy, I did not try to get Taylor Swift tickets. I don't know if you did. No. Many people mad at Ticketmaster. I'm not a Swifty. I, I mean, Ticketmaster is always a good target to be mad at. But, but um, they've been terrible for a long time. Yeah. They're, they're just I, I always hear them referred to as Ticketmaster. Ticketmastered. Yes. <laughs> but I did see that she just put out a statement today, I think, that said we were reassured many times that they could handle this. The demand. Yeah. So good on her for, for speaking out, even though I don't know why she had to go see them in the first place, but it's because they're basically a monopoly. They are exact. That's exactly it. Um, let's see a couple of quick movie notes. Um, this this horror movie, Smile, became a very unexpected box office smash. Yeah, it is now streaming on, on Paramount, Paramount Plus. Plus. Yes, if, uh, if you missed it. Yeah, another good one that was also a big hit um, is Barbarian, which <gasps> is on which HBO I watched. Max. Even though I'm yeah. a chicken, I oh, watched it. I am not a chicken, but I had to pause. And go back to it because it was like I was watching at night, and usually that I'm okay with that. And I actually oh no no I wa- I watched in daylight. Um, a good movie, yeah. a very solid thriller. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fun. And then I have not watched yet, but if you followed any of the gossip about Don't Worry Darling, Olivia Wilde's film. Oh yes, it that, is, I saw that. That's on now. It's too, on, HBO on HBO Max, Max. Streaming on HBO. Oh, Max. I definitely want to watch that. On a curious note, yeah. I had read somewhere that Bros was going to show up on... I think it's on demand already. It's been on demand. Yeah. But then I'd read somewhere that it was going to show up on streaming, I think on Paramount Plus, but it's not there yet. So there's, and there's usually, no announcement about when it'll there, go. There's usually a window. And it's past the window. The window was like mid-November. Really? And they haven't put it on free streaming or, you know, like you still Like a streaming service, yeah. So, I mean, that may mean it's actually doing okay on, you know, pay-per-view or rental. Or, the rental, the yeah, on-demand market. The on-demand market, yeah. So, anyway. All right. Good note. Since I walked out of it, I, I do feel like I need to see the last 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, Andy. <laughs> I will be watching it when, where, when it lands somewhere. I will definitely be watching it. Um, well, I guess diving in this week, one of the first things, actually, I'm going to switch it up a little, Andy. I want to talk about Tulsa King. Yeah. And we're going to, we're staying at Paramount Plus. Uh, if you're not aware of it, Tulsa King is a new drama star. I'm going to call it a dramedy starring Sylvester Stallone and Martin Starr and Dominic Lombardozzi and Andrea Savage. Uh, and it is part of the Taylor Sheridan empire because yes. he owns a lot of property on Paramount Plus. That's the man who brought us Yellowstone and all its spinoffs. But the man running the show is Terrence Winter, who was a showrunner on Boardwalk Empire and also came up on The Sopranos under David Chase. And Terrence Winter is just a fantastic, fantastic writer. Um, he's not the only writer, of course. Lots of other folks working on the show. Andy? I love Tulsa King. I like it too. I'm not afraid to say it. I love it. Yeah. I had a good time watching it. I feel like they understand how to use Sylvester Stallone. I love seeing Sylvester Stallone back in action. I mean, I don't watch his movies because they're usually like, I don't know that he's, I don't feel like he does much other than like, you know, action hero stuff or or tough guy action movies. And this is great because he's funny. I feel... I feel like this gives him a chance to do something he hasn't done before. It's a little more down to earth. It uses his sense of menace really well. Oh, yeah. And one of the greatest scenes was between him and Andrea Savage after they have a little tete-a-tete in his hotel room. Yes. And it's just fantastic. She finds out how old he is, which I had to go and double check. Right. I was like, right. Right. He does look pretty good. He is. It is just terrific. Um, Be sure. I know that uh, I think this weekend after Yellowstone, uh, the Paramount Network is going to air the first episode of Tulsa King because they're always trying to hook more subscribers. Mm -hmm. Paramount Plus is doing well. They're getting they're getting a lot of new subscribers, but, you know, they're always trying to get more. It's on now, though. 
It's yes, awesome. but it is. But the first episode is on Paramount Plus right now. But, oh, but they're going to air I'm it I'm saying again. if you don't have Paramount, no, they're going to air I'm it. Sorry, Diane. Sorry. It's okay. It's I know. The jet lag. I know. It's the jet lag. They're going to air okay. it on cable if you have the Paramount Network on your cable system, on your satellite system. They're going to air it after this week's episode of Yellowstone. Got it. And Yellowstone also returned last Sunday with two new episodes to start the season. And now Kevin Costner's character uh, is the governor of Montana and using power to basically stop progress, stop people from ruining the land in Montana. So there's already the great thing about Yellowstone is they are very good at like drawing those lines in the sand and who's a villain, who's not a villain, although sometimes it gets a little gray. And also the John Dutton's kids, you know, Kelly Riley, who is so great as his daughter. Yeah, she is. I haven't watched versus, a lot of the show, but she's my favorite part of it. Because she's incredible. Yeah. She deserves all of the kudos. She is fantastic. And then um, uh, Wes Bentley, who is the son that he does not like. <laughs> so he's like, his ego is so bruised that he's very willing to go against his own father. It's, it's setting up to be another very solid season. Yellowstone is a little violent for me. Sometimes mm-hmm. I got to like shut my eyes. I can't watch some of it, but they always have a very definite direction. I really admire that about it. Um, I would say on the lighter side, but it's not. Um, the first two episodes of Fleischman is in Trouble premiered on Hulu this past week, yesterday to be specific. And this is a new show. That stars Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes, Lizzie Kaplan, and Adam Brody. And it is based on the novel, and it is written for television by Taffy, Taffy Hefner, or Taffy Brodister Hefner. Excuse me, Taffy. I didn't well, mean to mangle your name. Well, Twister, but an amazing writer. Tough yes. name, amazing writer. Um, Andy, what did you think when you watched the first episode? Uh, very intriguing. I am down for this. Um uh let's see so I, I got through about one and a half episodes quite, that's pretty good quite considering the jet lag. that second one and it throws a lot at the at the screen pretty quickly it does and, and it has a lot of uh unpacking to do of kind of what it's thrown at the screen so far i can't tell uh one of the interesting things is you know jesse eisenberg's character has recently divorced or separated from the clarity recently character. they're recently divorced okay they are okay. divorced they, I, I wasn't sure if they're you actually are divorced correct not. And um, he is just getting all the action on the apps. And, I, and I'm not, and I'm like, what are they telling us? Is this because divorced men of a certain age who are doctors just get all this action? Or is something else going on? I don't know, Diane. I, I feel like I'm just getting into the show and, I, I, and, and there's going to have to be a lot of explanation. I will speak only to Toby's case. He's been married for 15 years. So he has missed out on this part of the dating revolution. He's missed out on the swipe right of things and it's also made clear from the start that when he was younger the ladies did not respond to him so that's the question is why are they now throwing themselves at him constantly i think that's a very good question okay and i i'm a little mystified okay. by i mean the uh, reception toby got okay 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 that's because I, it, I will say that mystified me and the fact that after and this is this happens pretty quick so i don't think this is a spoiler but diane will make me cut it if it is <laughs> That she uh, kind of uh, doesn't show up when she's supposed to return from a yoga retreat. This is the big incident. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't return to pick up her kids and and come. You know, and and uh, a little bit of time goes by without any calling the cops. And I'm not quite sure after a day or two why he's not alerting the authorities. And that's again, that I'm mystified by. Again, very good question. Okay. Very good question and. It's a conundrum. Uh, the one thing that is great about Fleischman is in trouble is it does compel you to keep watching. Yes. So it does. I, I will I, keep watching. I want to give an extra special shout out to Lizzie Kaplan. Love Lizzie Kaplan. Who not only does a beautiful acting job in it, but also does the voiceovers. Yes. Which tell a lot of the story. And it is not to be taken lightly. She does a very nuanced reading and it is it really adds to the show as does the music 
it is a very carefully put together show and it's carefully executed. Uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris are the directing team who directed many of the episodes. And uh, they directed a lot of very popular music videos over the years okay. and then went into scripted television. Very talented people and just very talented visual storytellers. Um, just so everyone knows, a, a reminder about the story, it is set in 2016, not present day. It is a pre-pandemic story. So, you know, it, in that way, it is its own period setting, huh. just I, to I remind people. That. Okay. Um, but check it out. See what you think. Fleischman is in trouble, now yeah, streaming. I'm, First two episodes are now streaming on Hulu. I'm deeply intrigued by the show. Ooh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love when that yeah. happens. Me too. Um, I'm really happy because Sex Lives of College Girls is back. Season two is back on HBO Max. And just, damn, this is just a funny show. And, you know, all four of the girls in the suite are all, you know, doing better and kind of more assuredly doing better and more grounded. There's a coming out story. Leighton has her coming out story, which is absolutely Realistic and fantastic. Amrit Kaur as Bella is still just hilarious. Um, uh, I just forgot Chalamet's sister. I forgot her name. Okay. She's terrific as Kimberly. She's really wonderful. And she's going through some financial stress. So that's rough. But all four of the ladies are just terrific. Uh, it's really, I, I think I've watched a few episodes uh, via the screener, so I don't want to spoil anything. But to say that there are some wacky hijinks would be under, it would be an understatement. Uh, lots of good stuff in store. Well, that would be Pauline Chalamet. Pauline Chalamet, thank you. Mm. Thank you. Um, all four of the actresses are just fantastic. I, can't, I have not gotten to this yet, but oh, okay. I love the first season, so I can't right? wait watch this okay good yeah i think you'll really enjoy it it's very the episodes just fly by they're so so good um also uh dead to me is back with its third and final season now streaming on netflix and um it's been very bittersweet to watch the press tour for this because christina applegate is you know dealing with ms yeah and it's just it's it's touching and it's a little unnerving but yeah. boy we just wish her well and, and hope she feel you know she got her star on the hollywood Walk of fame yeah, that's awesome and katie seagal was with her and that was really beautiful and her daughter was there um i have watched the first few episodes it hasn't quite hooked me yet so i'm gonna keep going you know i started the third i started the third this new season and then i actually prompted me to go back and watch the last couple of episodes from the last season. Okay. So I need to finish those and then go back to the third season because I couldn't remember what had okay. happened. A little back and forth. Yeah, yeah. A little back and forth. Um, also, for pure smarts and laughs, I just want to remind everybody that season three of Mythic Quest is now underway on Apple TV+. And let me tell you, this show just gets funnier. The, the intelligence is there. Um, Rob McElhaney... And Charlotte Nickdow as Poppy are so funny together. The way they play off each other is absolutely incredible. And they're kind of working on a project of their own. But there's plenty of stuff going back at MQ Original with Danny, Danny Puddy's character. Brad is fresh out of jail. He's fresh out of prison and working as a janitor at MQ. Uh, Jesse Ennis is, as, is back as Joe and she is power hungry and hilarious and Dave, david hornsby is so funny as they he's oh they're all so good i can't take <laughs> it they're all so good anyway i i don't know three three or four episodes are now streaming i wish they would have dropped the whole season at once it's just so good it always makes me want to binge it which that's a good that's a good thing for a show yeah oh hey i know what i meant to tell you White Lotus got picked up for a third oh, season. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So, and we don't even know who's dead yet. No. Oh my god. I'm, oh, <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the rest of this season. The second I don't know season. if I said this when I first predicted. I still think it's Theo James. Oh, he's too beautiful to die. That's no. Oh, that's, I just couldn't handle it. If 
Um, in the latest episode that aired, I, I think we can see a reason why he might bite oh, it. Oh, he's a total asshole. So right. Yeah. So, anyway. Just my type. All right, Andy, The Crown is also back. Yes, it is. Season five now streaming on Netflix. Yes, in my in my uh, prior, prioritizing of shows since <laughs> I've gotten back from Australia, this was first on the list. And how, what are you, three or four episodes I, in? I think I'm four episodes in. I got, yeah, I mean, it's great. Right? Oh, I'm, all, I'm all in. I am having a little bit of trouble identifying who's who of the new cast because they have a new older cast yes they do um i guess the only person i it took me a minute to figure out was um the was margaret princess margaret but then i figured it out it was fine and then i realized fabulous that, leslie manville oh my god leslie manville she's was amazing fabulous. yeah i think it was princess anne on the boat the first episode and i was like who is this um but anyway figured that out too and then I, I thought it was interesting that they kept the same actors for uh, the, the the king who uh, no um, William and and what's her face oh my god oh this is this is a fun game when Andy has jet lag oh my god the the reactions I keep hearing I love Imelda Staunton as the queen she's great I think she's fabulous uh, John always oh, great to see Jonathan Price. As the older Prince Philip? Yes. Terrific. That's another one. I wasn't quite, I was like, okay. I I don't know. I didn't remember this from the second, from the last kind of cast switchover. I don't remember having such a hard time figuring out who was who. (laughs) You were jet lagged last time. uh, Maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. And there's been a lot of talk about, is Dominic West too handsome to play Prince Charles? uh, Yes. I have he, no problem okay, figuring that one out. I love Dominic West. He's awesome. Objectively, he is. He's, he's, he's too hot to play. He is. He but is, but he's very good. He's so, exactly. So, yeah. And honestly, wouldn't we rather in our TV shows just have a slight upgrade of attractiveness and something? I can get behind <laughs> I mean, that. Come on. Amen. What's wrong with that? And I, um, I, I don't want to go without raving about Elizabeth Debicki as uh, Princess Diana. Who get, she gives a beautiful, beautiful performance. You know, I've read that uh, some people think that this portrayal of Diana is a little harsh or unfair to her. And I don't, I, you know, I was very young when she died. I was, you know, not, no, no, I did not live through this. I mean, I lived through it, but I was not aware of what was going on. So I'm curious what you, if, if you have an opinion on no, that. No, no, some people think that it makes her look um, petulant and vindictive. Uh, that would be the same article I read. <laughs> but <laughs> I think all, I, all I could think of was that given the recent events that happened with Harry and Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle, all I can think is, you know, back when Charles and Diana were basically matched together, because that's how it happened, she was 19 years old, even younger than Meghan Markle. Yeah. And only had a vague idea of how the crown worked internally. Because you're not privy to it until you're in it. That makes sense. So, um, I think I, I think for anyone who goes into it, it could be a very, very rude awakening. Okay. And if then you I had also, a preconceived notion of who she yeah. was and, and how much... And we're part of this, you know, well, I think it's also of, of how beloved she was. And well, it's very difficult also to imagine being 19 years old or 20 years old. That's a very young age. And so suddenly young. you're in this basically kind of a pit of vipers. And they're not looking out for you. They're looking out for the crown. They're looking out for the company, the system, as it's often referred to. And it's kind of brutal. And yeah. it, it's, it takes a very thick skin to survive, and it takes a certain toughness. And when you don't know what you're walking into, uh, you can understand why it would be very difficult for someone to quickly learn how to navigate it. There, there are no lessons, you know? And, and it seems like nobody in the family was letting her know it was more just shut up and smile. Yeah. That seemed to, and, and of course, there's really no women who like to be told to shut up and smile. Yeah, and, and her, she had a husband that didn't love her. That was also the huge problem. And the fact that 
everybody in the family knew it and they got married anyway. Yeah. And and she was young and idealistic yes. and, and wanted that. And and she thought she was in love with him as well. So um yes, some of the things that she does, and you will see this in later episodes, could definitely be labeled petulant or vindictive. Mm. But you have to credit a woman who is savvy enough to understand her own popularity and status, which Diana, I think, definitely did. And by the way, that was another thing that got her demerits in the family because she became more popular than Charles. Oh, yeah. And and more popular knows, than anyone. And God knows he resented her for and, it. And I certainly knew that growing up, that she was the star. Right. Like my mom loved her, and you know, and and the, I don't actually. Think, although my mom is still a big King, a big Charles wow. fan, and always was. Yeah, but, I don't um, think the, I don't think the family liked that at all. Yeah, how popular she became. Yeah. So, it's, and then I, and it was interesting because in the part that I've seen that he's sort of jockeying for the abdication of his mother, which don't even say anymore. Yeah, but yes, watching. The way they've told Charles' story and the way, and also the fact that Charles is positioned to make himself look like the leader of New Britain, the leader of the newer, more modern Britain, where his mother is sort of the leader of the old Britain Yep, that people knew. Very, very interesting. And you can understand, you can understand how that draws a battle line within a family. Yeah. So, you know. Credit to Peter Morton, who is the showrunner and writes the episodes. Um, one, I think he knows his history well. I don't take everything I see in it as gospel, like, oh, that must be true. Sure. Okay. But I feel like, you know, he's a Brit. He's lived through it all. So, you know, he knows a thing or two. I, I do give it credit for that. It's a very, very interesting season. Yeah. Oh, and then the name couple <laughs> what can I think of. It's it's Wallace and Edward. They have the ah. same actors playing them. Oh, okay, yes. I just thought that was interesting because they would have aged as well, but they kept the same actors. Mm, I think it depends on what year they're referring to. So yeah, I see oh, what you're this saying. This is like a flashback. Yeah, from what I was watching. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So really, really, uh, just loving it. It just felt very. This overall, it just feels very consistent with previous seasons where, where it's engrossing it's excellent it's gorgeous it's tense it's all it's got all the elements that have made this show and the, one of the best shows of all time yeah in my mind and there will be one more season after this okay because the sixth one is supposed to be the final season i believe so okay. i'm already looking Although forward to that. Say that and then they've decided to haven't they kind no, no, of no. Peter, Morton, it, Peter Morton said that he only wanted to go up to a certain point in time Okay. I'm not sure. I have a feeling I know what time that is, but I'm not going to say it because okay. I'm not really sure. Interesting. Okay. Um, the other thing that I uh, did watch some of is Mammals on Prime Video starring James Corden. And it's the story of a marriage that comes apart. He's married to this woman, uh, Amandine, a beautiful French woman. He names his restaurant after her. And then you start to learn why the marriage unraveled when they first met, it sort of jumps back and forth in time and does that. Um, the reason I wanted to mention it was uh, Sally Hawkins, I believe the actress, she's in it and she is very eccentric and fantastic in it. And I love kind of watching her in anything. So um, I'm, I'm going to kind of plow on and watch more. They're like half hour episodes and they're interesting Andy, I think you watched one or two. I've only maybe. seen part of the first, so I don't have, I, I can't make an intelligent argument either way. <laughs> I just, you know, had seen all this stuff about what a jerk James Corden actually is. Is that influencing so you? It may be influencing me and in right. my opinion of this. Fair. So I, if, if I watch more, I'll, I'll give it more thought. But Noted. Um, I also wanted to make people aware of a series on Peacock called Leopard Skin. It's eight episodes, and Carla Gugino is starring in it. It's an ensemble cast, and she made it. She executive produces it with her partner, Sebastian Gutierrez. They did a fantastic series called Jet, which is on HBO Max. So if you were a fan of Jet, check out Leopard Skin. I'm an episode in, and I'm going to continue. There, again, 
around half hour, 35 minute long episodes. Very interesting. They're just, they're a terrific creative team. So I just like seeing what they come up with. Um, and then in the TV on trend news last night, uh, and also now streaming on Paramount Plus, there was a two hour special called Pickled, which was Celebrity Pickleball. Was that last night? That was last night. And I missed it. But you can see it on Paramount Plus. Oh, good, because it's got my spirit animal, June Diane Raphael. I thought of you as I was watching it. <laughs> and she is a savage pickleball player. She's savage in everything. She really is. Her, her, she's yeah, a queen. She's savage. Yeah. So um, it was different teams of celebrities <laughs> playing wait. together. I can't wait. And it turned out that like Tig Notaro and Will Ferrell were a great team. Oh, Tig. But I think Love it was Dirk Bentley and Phil Keegan who were like the total powerhouses. <laughs> right. But Paul Shear and June Diane did very well together. Amazing. You know? Amazing. And lots of very chic pickleball fashion. Anyway, it was Stephen Colbert was one of the hosts and it's cool. from his production company. I can't wait. So that's streaming on Paramount Plus uh, if you're you want to giving me check something exciting to look forward to. I love to do that. Um, the other thing, I don't know, this one under my radar is called The Big Brunch. And it's hosted by Dan Levy of Schitt's Creek fame. And it premiered earlier in November on HBO Max. Uh, so it's, it's like almost ready to conclude, I think. Um, let's see. It, it celebrates inspiring and undiscovered culinary voices from every corner of the country. It's an eight-episode cooking competition series, and it gives 10 talented chefs the opportunity to share their stories and business dreams while vying for a $300,000 cash prize. So... <laughs> I, I just love it. It's about brunch. I love me some brunch. So who doesn't? Who doesn't love brunch? I love me some Dan Levy. So Right? Yeah. It's um, right on my alley. Just wanted to make some people aware, if you're a Z-Way fan, her Showtime show is coming back tonight, November 18th, on Showtime. And I think just a, a couple of her guests this season, uh, I've seen clips of Julia Fox and Michael Che. Michael Che... I'm sure will embarrass himself in a variety of ways because he just does whenever he talks. And also coming back tonight, <laughs> the L Word Generation Q on Showtime. So that's a big deal. And then just a quick heads up uh, of next week's premieres. I know, I know Thanksgiving is next week, but you'll probably want to have some things to watch in case Thanksgiving, you know, family stuff gets uncomfortable. Welcome to Chippendales is coming to Hulu. Trevor Noah has a new comedy special titled I Wish You Would, premiering on Netflix. Wednesday Adams is going to be premiering on Netflix next week. And over on Peacock, Pitch Perfect Bumper in Berlin, starring Andy Devine and Sarah Hyland, is going to be dropping on Peacock. Um, there's, there's more to come. Oh, Criminal Minds is coming back on Thanksgiving. On Paramount Plus, they're dropping two new episodes. It's now called Criminal Minds Evolution. Original cast is back, and Andy, you might not know this, it is one of the most successful TV show, shows. I did not know that. I've never seen it. Incredibly <clears throat> successful from, like, CBS's heyday, you know? Just, they, you know, that network, just so many great crime shows yeah. that have just become long-running institutions for them. So um, I think that's really about it for the moment. We have an interview this week as well. Yes. I wound up having a short chat with Mo Ammer, who has his own series on Netflix called Mo, which I highly recommend. You've also seen him on Rami. He is one yeah. of Rami Youssef's friends. Mo is a terrific stand-up comedian. He also has a couple of stand-up specials on Netflix as well. Um, I just want to make just a, I guess so, I guess we're back to disclaimer land. <laughs> yeah. Mo and I talk a little bit about Dave Chappelle because Mo toured with Dave Chappelle recently. I, my, he might still be doing it. Um, I spoke to Mo literally the day before Chappelle was on SNL. So you will hear me say, I think Dave Chappelle is a brilliant storyteller, which, yeah, I do think that. But I think a lot less of Dave Chappelle now than I did that day. Yeah. And I think I'll leave it at that. And also, I do not associate anything about Mo Ammer with Dave Chappelle. Right. Any comic is smart to tour with Dave Chappelle. It gets him a lot of eyeballs. It gets him a yeah. lot of exposure. Use his platform. I respect 
the business side of it. Yeah. And I respect that most comics, you know, admire Dave Chappelle. You know, they think he's the goat. Whatever. I think Chris Rock's the goat. But anyway, just a, a small disclaimer. Anyway, I do like Mo Ammer very, very much. And it was very interesting to speak with him. I got like 20 minutes with him. So I hope you'll stick around and listen to that. Andy, I don't know if we're going to be back next week. We might, maybe we'll, t- maybe we'll take Thanksgiving week off. Oh, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Maybe we'll take a beat. Yeah. Wherever you are, we hope you have a really great Thanksgiving. Yes. Eat some turkey. Relax. Get outside. Get some fresh air. Beat up. Indeed. Maybe the above. Maybe Andy will get over his jet lag. God, let's hope so. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you can still find me on Twitter at the Surf Report. I'm also on Instagram at the Surf Report. Um, who knows for how long? You know, last days of Rome, baby. Andy. I'm seriously Andy at Instagram and Twitter, and I am on Facebook. And we are on Facebook at What's the Hook? You can find our show page there. Um, boy, oh boy, what a week. What a See week. See what happens when you go away, it's Andy. Good, it's good to be back, Diane. Andy, it's chaos without you. Uh, it's chaos with me. So Pretty much. I don't know about that. But. All right, everybody, take care, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Welcome to What's the Hook. With me today, very special guest, Mo Ammer. You know who Mo is if you've watched Rami on Hulu, if you've watched Mo's series Mo on Netflix, and I really hope you have, or if you've seen either of his comedy specials on Netflix, or if you've seen the blockbuster DC movie Black Adam, you know Mo. Mo, (laughs) welcome. Thank you so much for taking some time today. Of course, of course. Thank you for having me. Um, I have to say, I I first became aware of you when I watched Rami. Mm-hmm. And then I was really happy when I saw that you were doing your own series for Netflix. And I was wondering, how did that come about? Um, well, it's just like you said it, right? So we did the series uh, with, uh, with Rami. You know, I was a series regular on that. And uh, I've always had my own series in the background uh, for years, actually, before even Rami did his series. Rami and I were discussing potentially doing a show for me. Uh, and I was very much uh, focused on doing my first stand-up special, The Vagabond. I thought it was really important to, uh, to lead in with a stand-up special, uh, kind of explaining my background. It's, it's, it's been a thing for me my entire life where, well, where are you from? Uh, you're born here, but you're born, you know, it was one of those things. So I had, um, I had some scenes that I already had written. And so after I did this, after we did Rami, we thought it would be like, Hey, why, why we already have something ready to go. Why don't we go around and, and pitch? And that's how it all came about. What I love about the Netflix series, Mo, is that it is very much about your own origin story. And mm-hmm. Just so you know, I went in reverse. I watched like Rami and I watched Mo when it came out. And then I watched um, one of the comedy specials. Um, I watched Mohammed in Texas. Yes. (laughs) I still, because even after the series and watching Mohammed in Texas, I can't even imagine what it's like for you to live in Texas. Mo, I've only been to Austin and I felt out of place. What? Austin's a great, great And and it's the blue dot in the red state. Well, that is also Houston is a blue dot, big, big blue dot. Houston I didn't is always realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston is as well. Houston is very much blue. Um, you know, lots of parts of Dallas are blue as well. In the major cities, San Antonio, you know, Houston is the fourth largest city in America. Probably, you know, creeping up. Last I heard on Chicago, your hometown, uh, on number three. So yeah, it's definitely very blue. And Houston is the most diverse city in America. So people don't know that either, you know, like it's the, again, the most diverse city in America, the suburb I grew up in, in the schools in Aleph, uh, which is that suburb I just spoke of, has 90 languages spoken in it. That's so, incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And it surpasses New York. So people, when they think of Texas, that's why I really uh, wanted to film my series in Houston, because it's been like such a great 
hometown and my adoptive city, of course, after, um, you know, fleeing the Gulf War. And, and it was such a special, unique place and definitely something in the water in A-Leaf where he has churned out a tremendous amount of artists that have gone on to have successful careers like Lizzo, Beyonce, Megan Thee Stallion grew up down the street and Katie and Pearland. You know, there's like, there's so many that came out of there. Toby, my co-star, who is, you know, skyrocketing uh, at the moment, who plays my best friend in the show, Nick, he's, you know, he's also from A-Leaf and went to Elsick High School. I went to Hastings. Wow. Yeah, so it's a really, really unique neighborhood. And that's why I really was very much focused on filming my show there uh, and, you know, tipping the hat to Houston. And I feel like Houston has never had the credit that it truly deserves. It almost like runs under the radar being the fourth largest city in America yet has never had a narrative sitcom filmed out of Houston. So it was a big part of my life. I didn't know a lot of those things about Houston. Yeah. So I've just learned a lot in the last two minutes. <laughs> told me all that. So thank you. Of course. Um, what's also very touching in your special and of course in the series is when you talk about your family and when you talk about where you're from yeah, and the fact that it, the fact that it has taken you 20 years to become an American citizen. Um, my first question is, has it been worth it for you? Has it been worth it for the struggle? Cause it, you did a lot of things just sure. to survive and help your family get by and, you know, you, you've done a lot of different things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, um, everything good comes after being patient, truly. And uh, going through such a unique experience for myself, but also very global, right? Everyone deals, uh, immigrants deal with this, um, you know, anxiety process all over the world it's not just unique to america but for me to have that it definitely is worth it it birthed uh so i wish i didn't have to go through it of course like i wish it was simpler i wish it was easier but it also birthed all these like great ideas and these stories um and it and it put me in a position where it forced me to dig deeper into my family history to find out where I'm from. Like, not even I know where I'm from, but just to, to like learn more about the struggle because my mom uh, had to deal with this on two separate occasions, and now she's dealing with it on a third occasion with coming to America. And and so like there's there's something to be said about like this this the struggle itself forms it forms you who you are. You have this like global mindset. You start seeing things for what they are. You kind of see through the matrix. Everyone is kind of like living in the matrix. And when you're, when you're dealing with, with something so personal and so unique, it, it forces you to have like such reflection, so many moments of reflection where you feel like everyone is, is like, blinded by what's going on because they already have everything and they're kind of moving forward and you're on the outside looking in you're kind of like still watching everyone walk by and understand assessing the situation and seeing what's going on left and right and understanding why is this happening to us what is the issue here and then you start accumulating a lot of information and you realize that this is still like even though i came here as a refugee i'm still a very privileged refugee i still have and i'm not going to make excuses I'm just going to always find a way to make something happen. And I, and I would definitely say like making it in this business has, you know, a lot to do with me being so patient in my, in my personal life, yeah. uh, me being able to like, and being taught this from my mom also to have the patience and understand that nothing good comes fast. Everything great comes with patience and time. Uh, and it makes it that much tastier like yeah. everything yeah. Yeah, it's just so much sweeter to be honest so I'm very grateful for those things I wouldn't take anything away uh it has forced me to like sometimes I have to like sneak in the countries to do stand-up comedy not sneak in but maybe mislead them a little bit to get in there and do stand-up comedy just to do what I love so that has made me like very persistent and patient and has given me a lot of a lot of um, a lot of rewards in this life that I wouldn't have had otherwise, and compassion, and um, empathy, and being, a lot and of empathy, empathy, of course. And that's the majority of the show is about creating that empathy and and that understanding. And also, it's very global. Like the show itself has all these languages spoken in it, all these cultures represented in it, 
And that is, that is like, what a beautiful thing. So I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change anything to be honest. Um, I wish things were differently. I wish they could change for my mom more than myself because I'm young enough to where I was still able to like recoup a lot of this family trauma, you know, kind of go back and close, close these gaps I've had in my life. But for my mom, it's kind of tough, you know, by the time you get into your sixties or by the time you can see your sisters and take a visit them and see them and move freely. It's tough. It's tough um, to ask, to ask her to do that. And it's, it doesn't feel fair. I get it. One of the things I really love, um, since I am a lot older, um, I really like that now when I watch shows, I'm seeing different stories I was never exposed to when I was younger, because I have loved comedies. You know, my mother used to say, we don't need TV guide, we have Diane. But I I, I basically knew when all the sitcoms were on, because I always loved comedies. But now I see comedies like Rami and like Mo, or I see someone like Hassan Minaj, and I'm hearing stories from different cultures that I had no exposure to. I sure. didn't know. I was just a Jewish gal. I was bat mitzvah. I grew up in Chicago. Beautiful. But still, I wasn't exposed to a lot of different cultures. Also because I went to like a fancy kind of grammar in high school, a private school. And I think that was why. So when I watch these stories, it's just, first of all, it's cool to see those viewpoints. I also think when we see people from other cultures tell their stories, it gives us so much more of a bird's eye view into what America is really like. If, yeah, oh, it does. If the last, I don't know, eight years have taught me anything, it's that we Americans often have a very lopsided view of our country. Sure. No, it is. And I don't think it's at fault of the people, to be honest. Like, I... I'm so happy I grew up in the South. You know, when I started doing stand-up, it was in the mid-90s. I was a little teenage boy. Like, I was, like, 14 years old, you know? So oh. so I started touring by the time I was 17, like, in the late 90s. And um, and I was just, like, touring the South, and people didn't see anybody like me. I'm like, what? I, you know, this is very common between the Arab performers where, like, you don't look Arab. You know, like, what does that mean? You know, so I don't think it's a, it's a fault on the people. It's just the the stories that have been put out within Hollywood over the last 60, 70 years, maybe more has been like really tilted towards, you know, having like these absurd stereotypes as if like, you know, the Arab world hasn't contributed in, in mathematics and architecture and so many other things is really, really absurd. So, so once you have the opportunity to start telling stories, I always say it's like, you know, FUBU was a brand, was a clothing band was for us, by us. This is for us, for everyone. This is not intended to be just like a niche thing for my people or whatever that is, well, you know? Because the personal is the personal is very universal. And that's sure. another thing I loved about Mo. You yeah. talked about your anxiety. I yes. think the relationship with the Hispanic girlfriend, that yeah. was like, well, there's something we don't see. And just yeah. not, not even the clash, but just the things that don't quite fit. Yeah. You know? Even though he really want, he loves her, he wants to be with her. Um, it was amazing. And as a person, all I can say is back in like 2008, I went to Israel and I also went to Egypt. And when we toured Jerusalem, there's a place where Catholics and Muslims and Jews live in very close proximity to each other. I was like, every American should have to come here and see this. Yes, I they, agree. Don't, they don't understand this. I totally agree. I totally agree. This is something that I was raised with. So it's it's very like common for me like it's not oh it's something that my mom would tell me stories of my grandfather and how he would have christian friends and people think palestinian as well they think like oh they're all muslims well that's not the case you know like it's not the case at all i mean nazareth is there you have you know obviously in israel you have you have bethlehem you have this is like the birthplace of jesus so it's like it's like yeah, there's Palestinian Christians. There's a lot of Palestinian Christians. Exactly, and, which I did not know. I was so surprised. Yeah, it's, it's always like a religious thing. And I just, that's why I always say I don't blame the people. I always blame the politicians with the, with whatever agenda there is. Yeah. You know? because, because in the end, people are people. We have the same issues. We all, we all have the same issues. And like, no matter what, it might be like being said through a different language, but it's still the same thing. Everybody has kids. Everybody's in a marriage. Everybody has jobs. Everybody has to provide for their families. Everyone has to, like cousins, crazy cousins, crazy family to stay. Jobs not working out. That you know, spiritual illnesses, uh, 
mental illness, like everybody's dealing with the same issue that are just like, you know, just speak different languages. But my mother always would tell me about my grandfather, which I didn't realize at all, would just like buy a Christmas tree, like even though we're a Muslim. And I thought that was like an absurd thing. We definitely wouldn't do that. And But he did just to make his friend like comfortable. And like he did a thing, like it's just, it became like, it was a normal thing. And they would all play cards together constantly. It would be, a, you know, somebody who was Jewish, somebody who was Christian or the Muslim, like, we would all hang out and playing cards. And that was the inspiration for, for in my show to have Abba and Nazir always going at it, but they're like dear friends and they always play cards together. It's great. That's, that was like a big, big reason why I wanted to do that because these relationships exist today and no one really wants to, I don't know if they want to or have them or had the opportunity to, but it, they I, don't don't think, I don't think people are aware of it. I have to ask also, in the yeah. Houston special, right at the end, you included some footage of when you went, ho- when you went home. And I was yeah. wondering, uh, did you film a lot more footage? Were you ever going to make a little documentary about that? It's funny you say that. It's, it's one of these so things. Beautiful, that, Mo. Oh, thank you so much. It was it was not by like design. It's something that happened. It was this that was in two thousand nine, which I wish I put a Chiron up. I you know it was such a rush to finish the special. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So in two thousand yeah, thank you. In two thousand nine, I did have someone with me, and we were filming that because it was my first time ever going back and being able to go back, having the opportunity to do so and visit my grandparents' house where my mother was born, which which was such a special and unique experience. And it wasn't by design. Like, I didn't want to do that in the special. I, the audience went so crazy and they stood up and they were like basically demanding an encore. And I was like, okay, well, since, you know, okay, I know what to do. I'll go tell the story, which I've told a few times of when I went there and knowing, you know, I have the wall behind me of the Mexican partition with this, you know, the Israeli wall behind me on each side. I was like, maybe, maybe that's a good story to tell of unification because that's what I'm about, you know? So I went, I went and did that. And then when we, when I was editing the, the, the special, I was doing pre-production for my show. So I was like going crazy. I was like, I mean, I'm at an earpiece in editing one side, talking to this guy. Oh, wow. you know, things. So then, so then I was like, Oh, I wonder if I should leave the encore in. Maybe I could find that footage somewhere. You know, I don't know where that footage is. It's been like 13 years at that point. I'm like, I don't know where that footage is. So, so I was like, okay, let me let me check out this external hard drive. I look through it. It's like dead. I sent it to the I sent it to the computer hospital. They're like checking it out. And then my friend Andrea Kalin, Andrea Kalin, who is uh, who's also Jewish, who made the All I Made Me Funny documentary in 2008 that I was in. She's a DC dear dear friend of mine. And I call her, I was like, this might be crazy because I landed in D.C. when I came back. I was like, do you have this footage of when I went to West Bank for the first time I went and saw my grandparents' house? She goes, I don't know, let me check. And this was like, the special is due in like 48 hours. Oh, my. And she goes and checks. She goes, oh, I have this like external hard drives. They say Mo Nablus on them. I was like, I think those are it. Can you send them FedEx them to me? She was like, well, let me get them on uh, upload them immediately for you on Dropbox, and then I'll FedEx them to you. I was like, okay. So we look them up, and I start looking through the footage, and I find it, and I start crying. I'm like, I cannot believe I found this. And uh, and some people were skeptical, like, should we put doc footage? Not how is it going to work? But once we edited it in with me talking about it on stage, with narrating it, and showing the footage itself, everyone was like, oh my god. That's it, you know. I have to that, tell you, it, it's very unexpected and very beautiful. I did not, you. they came out of nowhere, and I was like, but that's pretty brilliant. That kind of brings it all home, what you were talking about. It came out of nowhere for me as well. <laughs> it was one of those things that just, everything was, that night was so incredibly special. Uh, filming it was so, so unique, and, like, the love in the room was so strong. And I'm telling you, people just kept clapping and clapping and clapping. I was like, let me go back out there. Let me just, let me go back out there and do this. And wow. I did it. And then we put it together and we turned it in like with like a few minutes to spare. It was crazy. It was Amazing. Crazy. Yeah. I have two comedy specific questions. Sure. I'm watching the clock here. We got to keep you on schedule. Let's do it. My first comedy question is, you know, 
you've been doing comedy for a long time now. Mm-hmm. How do you feel the industry has changed? How do you feel in terms of progress? And I know that's a wide ranging word. Sure. How do you feel about that? Um, I think the the progress part is probably subjective. Like you could look at it different ways. You know, it could, you know, you look at the Richard Pryor years where you can really, really just talk about anything. And as far as like race relations, religion or whatever, and it just like everything was out on the table. And I think relationships are really stronger for it to have these super hyper real conversations. I hope that we can still have this, you know, open dialogue and open conversation where stand-up itself, particularly aside from like film and television, just keep it that way. It's always been a spot to like push the envelope and to see how far we can take things, you know. I heard a great quote years ago. It's like, you don't know where the line is until you cross it. Now, it's all about intention as well. Like, are you, like, some people are intending to be hurtful, you know, right. like, so, so whatever you could tell when people are intending <clears throat> to do so, or when somebody's trying to be uh, philosophical or just add, you know, some debate, <clears throat> some words to debate this particular subject matter. So I'm, I'm really, really of, of the school of like, um, you know, being open, being really smart with your comedy, being, uh, you can be silly and goofy with it whenever you want, but, you know, ideally it would be a scenario where you can make people laugh and think at the same time. And those could cause maybe, you know, uncomfortable conversations, but how in the world can we make any progress without having uncomfortable conversations? I think people need to be uncomfortable. It's okay. This leads perfectly into my other question. Yeah. You've toured a lot with Dave Chappelle. Yeah. A brilliant comedian and storyteller, but he's angered a lot of people in the last couple of years, kind of the transphobic comments and things like that. So I understand, you know, you've, you've worked alongside him for a while. What is your take on that? Because I still look at Dave Chappelle and I, I do think he's brilliant. I I'll never deny that. Yeah. That part of it, not so crazy about it. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, you know, quoting you, it's like, he is brilliant. He's absolutely that. Somebody I've seen do thousands of hours of stand-up comedy. I think it's, I think it's like, again, it's one of those things that's open to the public to decide. And it seems like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that he's, you know, using his art to whatever is on his mind. We're two different people. That's very important also. Of course, of course. Like, say that, like he's, he's um, a dear friend and a brother and somebody who's like mentored me and, and understanding stand-up and he has a people don't understand he has like a really diverse friend group people think that he's just like you know sometimes the assumptions about him is like he's close-minded and he's this and that but really people need to understand that he's a highly sophisticated person really really brilliant and he he cares a lot he cares a lot and he's a genuine person and i think that the intent behind it was not to be hurtful it's my 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 opinion is intent is not to be hurtful, but just to have very difficult conversations and dialogue. And he chose to do that in the stand-up. Now, for me, we're two different people. So I've gotten to see somebody who, who is a master of his craft, like undeniably one of the goats of stand-up comedy. And like unanimously, everyone, like I don't care. If you say he's not, then I, then I think you're really just like not being fair. You know? I think I think it's him and Chris Rock. And I, I was yeah. today when I heard that Chris Rock is going to do a live Netflix special. It's going to be their first live. Oh, wow. And I, I've seen Chris Rock live. And honestly, I feel there is nothing like watching Chris Rock doing a live show. I, oh, I, that's I, cool. I didn't know they were doing that. They, they cool. are. They are. They are. It was announced today. Um, I was just wondering, because since you had done tour dates with Chappelle, I didn't know if you were catching any any of res, any of the residual flack and like that would be a hot spot to be in, I would think. No, I don't think that I don't think it's even fair. You know, I'm a completely different person, like I said. Oh, of like, course. No, no, no. I didn't think you're responsible yeah. for any of it. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, yo, Dave is Dave. I mean, I think people know that. And okay. in the end, I'm not the only person working with Dave. There's so many people working with him and doing tours with him. So, you know, like I think people get also emotional. They read headlines and they get emotional. So that's like really, really important. Watch the entire thing. I think I know for a fact, Dave could have a conversation with anybody and and it would be a really inquisitive and fair and loving conversation. Like 
that's okay. Like, I think, I think it's really sad that we're in a world where everybody just reads headlines and gets charged up. And it's very, very important to be subjective and understand it. Like, I remember, uh, you know, somebody said something to me about one of my friends. And I said, you know what? I'm going to talk to them before I say anything. There you go. You know, it's like, why don't you, why don't you talk to the source? People are just writing and copy pasting and emotions and feelings and nothing is based off of like fact, objective fact and right. what's happening. So that's what it is. And I'm, you know, I, I'm a different human being. That's what I said. Everybody's different. And I, and I, and it's I all would, love. I was not implying Between everybody. I was not implying any sort of. I know you weren't. I'm saying it. I'm saying it for myself. I'm saying it for myself. Well, and, and hey, maybe once Twitter implodes, you know, we'll be reading more than headlines. Who knows, Mo? Mo, it has been happening, right? What a treat it is to talk to you, Mo. I cannot thank Same. you enough. Same. This is Same. just everybody. You got to watch Mo on Netflix. His two comedy specials are there as well. Watch Rami, another fantastic season of Rami that ju- that dropped on Hulu recently. Um, and Mo, continued success. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you so much. I'm a really wonderful speaking to someone that understands comedy and TV and really I love comedy. I just, I, I, just I, oh, I love it. I love and it. I, I, love and I, love, love. I love storytellers. And I think at the very heart, you are so much of a storyteller. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, you know what, but Oh, what a treat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Diane. really pleasure.